Okay, listen, this morning is going to be very different. Uh, I'm not going to be preaching from a biblical text per se, but I'm going to do something that's important for us as a church. I'm going to be giving a mission update. Today is a mission update. Reality Coastlands 2016 mission update. That means we're going to be talking about what our mission is as a church how we are doing in that mission, how that mission is funded, and what's next, the way that the Lord is leading us. So we'll be talking about those things. So it'll be different than a normal Sunday, but very important. If this is your church and you're invested here, this is information that you want to know, and this is something that you're involved in. So there'll be a lot of rejoicing, a lot of thinking, and uh, um, stuff to celebrate as we look through this today. If this isn't your church and you're just here visiting, you're going to learn so much about this church today. Uh, that'll probably be helpful to you. But know that this, that this isn't a normal Sunday. I am going to, at the end of talking about this, and this will take about 55 minutes or so, at the end of talking about it, I, I just saw a lady, I won't look at her so she's not embarrassed, but just winced when I said 55 minutes. She literally was like... <laughs> I, I know, sister, I know what you're saying. Um, At the end of it, I'm going to ask you guys to pray. So we won't be doing our normal second set of worship, singing, lights off, communion. I'm going to ask you to pray. We have to pray as a church. We have to pray in response to it. I realize that some of you are uncomfortable with that. You want to come to church and just sit there and say, I love you, I love you, but don't touch me, don't talk to me. Uh, you're going to have to pray with people today. It'll be a little bit outside our comfort zone, but Christianity isn't about comfort. It's about other things. So just wanted to warn you in case you got to make your escape sometime during the teaching before the prayer time. Okay, I want to provide for us a backdrop for what we're going to be talking about, which is the text of the Great Commission. Jesus, before his ascension, talking to the disciples in Matthew chapter 28, he gave them this. We call this the Great Commission. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is the mission. That is what Christ has called us as his church to do, is to make disciples of all the nations. And that's what we are trying to do as a church. And we'll talk about that now, but let's pray. Lord, I am really and truly thankful for this church. I'm really grateful to be a part of it. To love and to be loved by this family here and to enjoy you and pursue you and seek to obey you together. Thank you, Lord. And thank you for what you're doing in our church. You're just, you're doing a really good work, Lord. We've been through some hard years, but you've been incredibly faithful. And so today, Lord, would you open up our hearts and minds to um, comprehend the mission that you're calling us to? Would you uh, give us unction to follow you in this mission, to obey you in it? to be mutually invested in it in fellowship? Uh, would you expand our hearts with joy for the new stuff that you're doing and the new opportunities and horizons before us? And Lord, as I'm feeling a little sick, would you please just help me to communicate in a way that's helpful to these people whom I love and give us ears to hear. We ask it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so just a brief snapshot again of, of what this is about. The... Um, 
Reality Mission Update 2016 is about, number one, understanding the mission of reality, knowing what we're getting into. Number two, updating you on the mission of reality, knowing how we're doing in it. Number three, unveiling expansion in the mission of reality. I've got a couple very, very exciting announcements to make today. And number four, reporting on our 2015 financials. What's our financial state as a church? Uh, What's our giving like? How do we spend and invest the money in the kingdom? So on and so forth. So first of all, as we get into this, I want to talk about the scope of the mission. And that is to say that everything that we'll speak about today has to do with reality coastlands. Generally, we call that reality Carpinteria, Santa Barbara, and Ventura. We are one church in three locations. So all this information has to do with reality coastlands and not the other realities, okay? So not our church plants. It's not about reality LA or reality San Francisco, reality Boston, reality Stockton, reality London. Uh, They are largely autonomous churches. Uh, They've got their own finances and their own nuances and mission and things that they're engaged in. So this information doesn't pertain to them directly, though they're part of this, it has to do with us, Reality Coastlands. And Reality Coastlands is, as I said, one church in three locations, right? We are a multi-campus church, Carpinteria, Santa Barbara, and Ventura. One church, three locations. I want to clarify some things about that. What does that mean? It means that we share a whole lot of things. I'll just enumerate a few of them. We share broad-scale leadership. Across our three campuses, we have 12 elders and 40 staff members, not to mention hundreds of volunteers. But leadership, 12 elders and 40 staff members that help lead the whole from Ventura to Santa Barbara, Carpentry included, Reality Coastland. So we share that leadership. We share the responsibility. We share the burden. We share our abilities, all those things. It also means that we share resource in several different ways. We share expertise expertise that's in our gift mix and in our staff. We share finances. It's one big pot. So whether you give money at the Ventura, Santa Barbara, or Carpinteria campus, it all goes into one big pot. We share it as is appropriate and allocate it also as is appropriate. And we share the administrative wing of our church. We have what is known as the A-team or the administration team. And they handle all the sort of back-end stuff for all three of our campuses. So uh, human resources, accounting, finances, business deals, properties, all those sorts of things. We have an administrative team that oversees and handles that stuff and does an excellent job for all three of our campuses. So we share that as well. We also share non-local mission. Okay, non-local mission, that would pertain to church planting, global missions, and leadership training. So those are three ways that all of our campuses are united. The churches that we plant, uh, the nations that we're endeavoring to reach, and the training of Christians for faithful uh, mission. We also share DNA and lots of different DNA. We have a shared identity that's sometimes hard to codify, but it's also hard to escape. But there's these, this DNA that brings us together and makes us one church in three locations. One part of that is our Christocentrism. That means that we want to make church intensely about Jesus. We don't want to make it about ourselves. We don't want to make it just about our needs. We don't want to make it about politics. We don't want to make it about some theological hobby horse. We don't want to make it about some person. We want to make it about Jesus. So if you go to Reality Santa Barbara, Carpinteria, or Ventura, you're going to get Jesus 
hopefully, and not much more, and not much less. Um, Faithful preaching is part of the DNA that we share. We preach the scriptures. We preach the good news of Jesus Christ. We teach the Bible. That's one of our shared values. Passionate worship. We believe that Christ is to be worshiped in the church and that we should express that passionately like we see in scripture. So we give time and space and effort and heart work to worshiping. Um, Theology. We have a shared theology across the campuses and all sorts of uh, different vignettes and veins. Mission and relationship, part of our DNA that we share across all three campuses. And then for the Carpinteria campus and the Ventura campus, we also have shared preaching, which is why you often hear me say on a Sunday morning before I start the sermon, hey, our Ventura campus will be joining us for this. Let's give them some love because they get the same sermons. They see it on a screen, technology, amazing stuff. Most Sundays, we also have that in common with the Ventura campus shared Sunday teachings. Now, what does it not mean that we're one church in three locations? It doesn't mean that there isn't fully authoritative local leaders at each campus. There are fully authoritative local leaders at each campus that are really and truly leading that campus in meaningful ways. So for example, at this campus, though we have 12 elders for all three campuses, we have three that are specific to here, which would be myself, Pastor Sean, and Pastor Todd. We would be primary leaders in the church. And then we also have a staff that is part of our leadership at church. So Carol Stoltz, who oversees our women's ministry, Doug Stoltz, her husband, who oversees our facilities, Uh, Jesse Hines, who is our children's ministry director, Bo, who is our youth pastor, Amber, who oversees missions and uh, also our internship uh, training, and then Lalo, who is the pastor for Realidad. So those elders and that staff together provide real, authoritative local leadership on the ground level here at this campus, and that's the same at all three campuses. So I'm not, for example, controlling things necessarily that are happening on the ground in Ventura or in Santa Barbara or vice versa. There are some things that we share, some areas where we agree, some responsibilities that we shoulder together, but on the ground, there's real authoritative leadership. The local leadership at each campus is responsible for discipleship at that campus, member care at that campus. That would include counseling and church discipline, local vision and mission. So we share in those broad scope mission things, right, like church planning, um, global missions, and leadership training, but local mission the question of how are we being a faithful church in Carpinteria, in Ventura, in Santa Barbara, that's really figured out by the, the local leadership at each campus. And then leadership and shepherding at the campus in general, pastoral care is handled there. So that's what it means and what it doesn't mean. The question is, is this current modeling the way it will always be for Reality Coastlands? And the answer is a very somewhat clear, not necessarily, maybe, I'm not sure. (laughs) We, as a leadership team, are constantly exploring how we can be most faithful and fruitful as one church in three locations. That's changed a lot over the years. When we started the Ventura campus several years ago and then the Santa Barbara campus four years ago, that all looked very different. And we're always in transition for what it means to be faithful. We're constantly assessing and discovering what's a wing and what's a weight. 
what is helpful for us to share and propels us forward in ministry and mission together and what kind of weighs us down when it gets shared in this big superstructure. And so what can we kind of become independent in to be more faithful in the mission that we're each called to? We're constantly assessing that. What's a wing? What's a weight? We're in prayer. We're in process with that. In fact, tomorrow morning, all 12 elders are going away for three days to pray and seek the Lord about that very thing. Where are we as a church as it pertains to one church in three locations? How can we be most faithful and fruitful and effective as these churches? What do we need to continue to share? What do we need to share more of? What can we share less of? And where can we become more independent to become more faithful? So that's what we'll be doing for the next three days. Would you please pray for your elders as we go and do that? Would you please pray for your church as we go and do that? Would you join us in seeking the Lord to try to be faithful there? One thing that will also be changing is, as I mentioned, Reality Ventura is currently getting the teachings that come from this pulpit, but we will be transitioning them to live teaching in the future. Um, That's our long-term goal. We believe that that will help that church to be most effective and faithful in that community long-term. We do not believe that we have the person on the ground now. It's no one that's currently in our mix unless God surprises us. So we're kind of looking for who that might be. We're trusting the Lord to raise that person up. Would you please pray for our church and for the Ventura campus as we're asking the Lord to raise up someone who would help lead that campus in teaching, preaching, and envision. That'll be a big change that's coming. Now, that's the scope of the mission, Reality Coastlands, one church in three locations. Now let's give a bit of a mission update. First, mission particulars or How are we endeavoring to fulfill the Great Commission as reality? Three ways in general in which we're endeavoring to do that. Locally as sent people, strategically with church planning, and globally through missions. Okay, that's our mission as reality. That's what we're endeavoring to do. Those, that sort of three-level strata of it, locally as sent people, strategically with church planning, globally through missions. We see ourselves as a sending church. And within that pale, everybody can be sent. So locally as sent people, remember that Jesus said to his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where they were, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth. So missions started with their locale, where they were at first, right? That's, that's where it started. This is our Jerusalem. So we need to see ourselves as sent people right here, strategically with church planning. I say strategically because church planning is God's strategy to evangelize the whole world. That's what God has done. After Christ and his work and his ascension, the church was birthed the day the Holy Spirit came, the day of Pentecost, and then churches have been birthed ever since. And that was the modus operandi of the early churches. They went forward and took the gospel and planted churches wherever it went. So it's strategic because it's God's strategy, but it is also strategic because we believe that the Holy Spirit is the one who leads us in church planning in the places that we have and that we're not making it up and that God is strategically using us to go to these places for his glory. And then globally through missions, the ultimate goal is pictured to us in the book of Revelation chapter 5, chapter 7 and other places that there would be around God's throne men, women, and children from every tongue, 
tribe, and nation, worshiping him in glory together. And so we're concerned about global missions. That's the ultimate goal, is that the whole world would hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So those are the three ways that we are trying to fulfill the Great Commission together, locally, strategically, and globally. Now, let's give a bit of a mission recap or the progress that we've made. How are we doing in this mission if that is our mission? So firstly, locally is sent people. I would say in general for the church, and I would say this is true for our church, that to some degree we've, we've lost a sense of our sentness. After his resurrection, Jesus appeared to the disciples and said, as a father has sent me, I also send you. And we also saw the Great Commission. So part of the self-understanding of a Christian is that we are sent people as who we are to where we are with whom we know in the midst of what we do right now. So this has to do with our marriages. This has to do with our parenting and our families. This has to do with our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our schools and our spaces of recreation, where we are right now. You see, we have a tendency, especially in the church in America, to delegate and relegate mission. Oh, well, Britain, the elders and the staff, they'll do it. Let's let them do it. Or, well, the missionaries, you know, they go overseas and they do it. But that's not the way it's meant to be. We're meant to understand ourselves as sent people right now where we are, as witnesses of Jesus Christ. So this is kind of hard to gauge. I'll have some clear metrics and ways to talk about the next two um, facets of mission, but this one is hard to gauge because it's really up to us. So as it pertains to being a witness for Jesus Christ, how's that going in your marriage? That would be how we assess this. How is that going in your home? How is it with your parenting? How's it going in your workplace as a witness of Jesus Christ? How's it going in your spaces of recreation? How's it going in your school as you endeavor to be a witness for Jesus Christ? That's how we would assess that. This makes life very exciting when we realize that Christ is on mission in our world around us right now, inviting us to join him as who we are, where we are, with what we know, amongst whom we know, and what we do right now. So I would encourage us to recapture a sense of sentness. Secondly, strategically with church planning. We've planted some churches over the years. It's been a huge part of what we do and will continue to be a huge part of what we do. And we can kind of assess how that, got, how that has gone. So we'll look at a little list of the churches that we have birthed. It started in 2003 right here with Reality Carpinteria. That was September 7th, 2003. How many of you were there? Oh, that's cool. That's fun. Some of you are there. That was a good day. And then 2006, we birthed our first church, Reality Los Angeles. 2007, Reality Stockton. 2009, Reality London, now defunct. As you know, we've shared that story with you. We didn't experience sustainability and viability with that. And so we're kind of redoing that now. 2009, Reality Ventura, our campus. 2010, Reality San Francisco. 2007, the Santa Barbara campus, 2012, Reality Boston, and in 2016, Reality Church of London forthcoming. So those are by grace and for his own glory, the churches that Christ has birthed, that he's allowed us to be a part of. And it's been an incredible 
gift of God's grace for us to get to be a part of this family and at this campus to kind of play a parental role, right? We view these church births as our, as our kids in a real, not a controlling way, in a real like love, relational, mutual investment, family sort of way. These are the churches that we've birthed. I will announce to you another church today, and I will tell you that we have another one in the works, and there's more churches that are to come. So I don't know. I, I mean, I, I am definitely partial, but I would say we're doing well in assessing strategically with church planning. I'm very thankful that God has let us be a part of those things. And they are all doing incredible work where they are. And then thirdly, missionaries we have sent. I want you to look at this. This is kind of fun. Since 2006, which is, we started in 2003, but we didn't really start keeping records into 2006 because we didn't really think anything would ever happen. So why like write it down? And then about three years in, we're like, oh man, we should like make note of these things. Stuff is happening. So since 2006, the best we can tell from our records, over 225 people from our church have gone through a sending process with us for any length of trip, short term to long term. And we have sent them to these places. In Eastern Europe, the Czech Republic, Macedonia, Romania, Ukraine, in Western Europe, England, Ireland, Norway, Belgium, Germany, France, in Africa, Ethiopia, Tanzania, Nigeria, Uganda, Mozambique, Kenya, Liberia, South Africa, Botswana, in the Americas, Honduras, Guatemala, Venezuela, Ecuador, Chile, Argentina, Costa Rica, Haiti, in the Middle East, Israel, Turkey, Egypt, Iraq, in Southeast Asia, Indonesia, Thailand, Myanmar, Japan, Cambodia, Malaysia, in the South Pacific, Tonga, in Australia, Australia, (laughs) in Asia, (laughs) China, Nepal, Pakistan, in India, Sri Lanka. That is about 45 countries that together we have sent missionaries to since 2006. Yeah, glory to God. That is honestly worth celebrating. That is really worth celebrating. We've got some big changes coming up in missions that we'll talk about in a moment. So now we're going to talk about mission expansion. That was mission recap, now mission expansion. Or how is the Lord leading us in new things? Well, we already know about London. And you guys have had thus far a pretty high degree of involvement in London. It started with the Chaddix moving here to Carpinteria and Tim preaching for us. And part of the reason that we have him preach, honestly, is that we might develop heartstrings to him Right, pastorally and missionally, we might just feel connected with who he is and the mission that God has called he and his family on. Uh, we got to interact with Lindsay and their three daughters. So having them here and preaching was a high degree of involvement with us. 
before each sermon, he would give these little vignettes about what it means to be on mission in London and uh, what it's going to look like to plant a church there and the need that's in that city and some of the uh, logistics and cultural realities and demographics of the city. So we got connected there. And then many of you were coming to prayer meetings on Sunday night for eight weeks. We had over 200 people each week here praying. And Tim would share with us each time some of the obstacles to planting a church there and how we ought to pray. So you guys begin to pour in. You started sowing in through prayer, right? That's fruit to your account. You've participated in that. A few hundred of you came to the night of uh, how and why we plant churches, where we talked about God's mutual calling on us as a church and the strategy he's giving us as a church. A lot of that had to pertain to London. So you got connected there. And now we have the prayer tour, right? Coming up into July, beginning of August. And there's an open invitation for you to go on that. If you've never been on a prayer tour, I think it's one of the coolest things that we have ever done as a church. Here's what we do. We go to the city and the goal is to pray on site with insight. So we get ourselves to the city and then we do some uh, teachings in strategic locations. So it might be a strategic cultural center or it might be a historic church or it might be a really popular church at the time or some cool historical building. We'll gather there and we'll do a teaching. It may have to do with uh, a biblical theology of mission. It may have to, be strong, have to do with strongholds in that city or demonic opposition. It might have to do with the current spiritual landscape in that city. It might be about the spiritual history of that city, the history of the church in that city. It might be some general cultural and societal history. So we'll do a teaching there. And that will give us fuel, fodder for prayer. And then we'll break up and we'll go through the city predetermined locations, and we'll just start to pray. We'll just pray on the streets. We'll pray in the neighborhoods. We'll pray in the businesses. We'll pray downtown. And then we'll come back together some other historic place, like maybe Charles Spurgeon's church, and we'll worship together there. And we'll talk more about what it means to be on mission in that city and to be the church and how Christ is building his church and the cultural barriers. And then we'll go out with more fodder and we'll pray again. And then we'll meet again at some other awesome location. And we just do that for a few days. And it is hard work but it is awesome. And we have seen it to be incredibly fruitful, incredibly fruitful, uh, the times that we've done this. So I hope that you guys can be a part of that. Uh, it's a serious thing. Like you're going there to work, you're going there to sew in, but you're also going to get to really soak up the city from a very unique perspective and have a great time there together. So that will more deeply connect you to the mission at Reality London. Now the mission at Reality London doesn't stop in and of itself. We've shared this with you a little bit, but we have a vision to, from London, plant churches in other key cities in Western Europe. We're asking the Lord to develop sort of a training center there at uh, Reality Church of London where we can raise up other church planners to go to these other strategic places. So that's kind of fun, and I want to show it to you visually. Uh, We have this little visual thing that we'll show you, this little video. That's the world. So this is kind of the spread of the mission. Started in Carpinteria, went first to L.A., all the way up to Stockton. God have mercy on it. Ventura, God bless it. San Francisco, Santa Barbara. And then we took this long flight all the way over to Boston. Pause right there. We got some ground to cover in between. We kind of leapfrogged a little bit. But that's fun. We went to Boston. We planted a church in Boston. And then, go ahead and play it. We've got this really big flight coming up. Whoa all the way to London. Now, here's a little tease. 
Hope, stop. Hope, pause right there. Ah. I'll give you a hint. Our next church plant is somewhere west of Carpinteria. <laughs> Narrows it down to half the world. Half the world. We'll come back to that in a moment. Let's go back to the mission in Western Europe. <laughs> ah, good tease, huh? Okay, look. Helsinki, these are the cities we've identified. Stockholm, Copenhagen, Berlin, Amsterdam, Munich, Brussels, Zurich, Rome, Paris, and Lisbon. We want to plant churches in those cities. So there's our little church reaching out in order that all the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. That's the goal. That's the goal. Now, more mission expansion. As I said, we have another church plant coming up, so we'll put that little teaser screen up for you again. Some of you already know, so don't ruin it, but any guesses? Oh, you guys are so smart. Our next church plant I'm announcing for the first time ever now is Reality Honolulu. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I know. I'm not going. I'm staying here. I'm not going. Um, That's very nice. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to visit quite a bit. It's my holy duty. It is literally now my holy duty to go to Hawaii. Hawaii duty. It's better than dead guy duty. Our church planters are Ryan and Zoe Hilner. We have a little photo of them. Many of you will remember them. They've been at Reality since before it was a church, when it was a college ministry. Um, Ryan was part of Pastor G's youth group. They used to sneak into our Friday night college ministry. They weren't old enough to be there. They weren't together then, but they would both sneak in. So excited about Jesus. Riz's Bible was bigger than he was. And then Riz was like our first time, our first full-time youth pastor here at Reality Carpentry. He was on staff with us for a long time, did an incredible job with the youth. And then when we started going to multi-campus, he went to Santa Barbara to help get that campus going. He is now one of the 12 elders at this church. Along the way, he and Zoe met and got married and had little Eva there. And they've got one more baby on the way coming in March and April. And um, this has been a four-year process now. A four-year process. Four years ago, Ryan and Zoe came over to uh, my house and met with Kate and I, and we, we sat down at the dinner table together, and they told us, we, we feel called to plant a church in the city of Honolulu. That was four years ago. So this is kind of a snapshot of how we do things. You haven't, you haven't heard about it for four years. We've just been praying. So it started out, they just let us know and a couple other couples and we started praying and then we opened it up to larger concentric circles and brought the elders in and they started praying and then we brought the staff in and they started praying and then the leadership of the other reality started praying and now we're announcing it to you and then we'll take it to the other reality, so on and so forth. But this has been a process of prayer over four years. We do not take these things lightly. We don't do them flippantly. Nothing happens quickly. 
prayed for four years now, and we're just announcing this to you. So I've been there a few times this last year to pray there and really see that uh, this is what the Lord is doing, and we unanimously agree that that's what the Lord is doing. So a bit of the timeline. Um, as you know, Ryan is at Reality Santa Barbara. Chris Lazo, the um, lead preacher there, will be going on sabbatical for the next couple months. Ryan will be preaching in his stead while he's gone. He'll be preaching through the book of 2 Timothy. He'll finish that in the middle of March, and then he'll come back to the Carpinteria campus because this is where we plant our churches from. So then he'll be with us from then on. He'll have a baby somewhere March, April. He'll be here. You'll see him uh, most every Sunday, and they will be here for about a year. They plan on moving uh, to Honolulu about this time next year, right? So 2017 is when they'll be going over there. And then Lord willing, you know, we'll do some prayer tours and lots of prayer and sewing in. And then we'd love to see the church started sometime in the fall of 2017. So we're about a year and a half away from that church starting after a four-year process thus far. Now, again, I know what you're thinking. But Hawaii is not an easy place to minister. We have a sister here from Hawaii today. She's part of one of the churches that we helped get started over there. Hawaii is not an easy place to minister. I have been ministering in Hawaii for about 20 years. I've been going there and preaching. Uh, My sermons have been on the radio there for years. I've done outreaches there. I've helped get churches started there. Lots of ministry. I'll tell you it's a difficult place. I'll give you three reasons why. Number one, the spiritual demonic opposition there is palpable. Incredible spiritual, demonic opposition in the islands. Manifest in the brokenness of that culture. Look, I know it seems like a beautiful place, but there is an incredible degree of brokenness in Hawaii. Lots of domestic abuse, drug abuse, broken homes, dysfunctional situations. There's just a lot of brokenness there. And there's a lot of evil that stands behind that. And you come in direct contact with that when you endeavor to minister there. Secondly, There is a high degree of apathy in Hawaii. I mean, it is Hawaii, you know what I mean. There's just a high degree of apathy, and that's incredibly hard when you're uh, endeavoring to accomplish mission and get people involved in mission and be a vibrant part of the church. There's just a lot of apathy in that culture. And then thirdly, there's a lot of syncretism in that culture. That is the combining of old sort of uh, ancient folk religion with Christian thought, that's syncretism, combining these different backgrounds and thoughts. And it kind of has a tendency in Hawaii to muddy the theological waters at times. And that's frustrating for guys like us that are doctrinal guys and we like our theology squared away and, and clear. That makes Hawaii a difficult place to minister. It's beautiful, for sure. We're all going to go on the prayer tour, no doubt about it. This will be our biggest <laughs> prayer tour ever. But it's going to be incredibly challenging. So I ask you to be praying for the Hillners now. Be praying for Ryan and Zoe and Eva and the baby to come now. Be praying for this endeavor now, and then we'll start having corporate prayer meetings in the months to come. Third thing about mission expansion is we want to spend the next 20 years or so really concentrating on reaching the unreached. Okay, reaching the unreached. We want to focus now our resources on finishing the task. Here's the task. Jesus gave it to us in Matthew 24. He said, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end shall come. Notice what Jesus said. There isn't an end until the gospel has been preached 
and is a testimony. There's something happening with it in all the nations. Remember, God's heart is for every tongue, tribe, and nation. So Christ has given us a task to take the gospel to the whole world. Again, the end goal is every tongue, tribe, and nation around the throne. This task needs to be finished. There's been tremendous progress, especially in the last 50 years, more than in all of previous church history. I'll share that in the months to come. Tremendous progress. And yet, 40% of the world's population still lives among unreached people groups. So there is a ton of work still to do in places like Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, India, China, Nepal, Indonesia. And the areas that are still unreached where the gospel hasn't gone, where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard are the very hardest places in the world to do that. That's why they still remain. And we are sensing that God is calling us as a church to the hardest places, to the hardest places, to take the name of Jesus where it's never been heard before. This is a Pauline sort of ambition. The Apostle Paul had the same ambition. Look what he said in Romans. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. That's what we want to do. Now, you saw the list of those 45 nations or so where we've sent missionaries. That's, that's great. But now we're going to kind of laser focus things a little bit. We've been sending just in general. Someone comes along to us and they say, look, I feel called and I feel called to go here and we help discern, is that call real? And then we help get them there and we're pretty much open to wherever they may feel called. Well, now we want to kind of direct that a bit. Now we're asking the Lord to call people to these hardest to reach, least reached people groups. So we're not just going to send in general all the time. We're going to endeavor to send in particular for the next couple of decades in particular where the name of Christ has never been heard. Because there exists within global missions an incredible imbalance. Let me tell you what it is. 80 to 90% of the current world's missionaries, Christian missionaries, are working in already reached places. They're working amongst already reached people groups. 80 to 90%. It's not that there isn't a valid need there. There is a valid need there. There's still evangelism that needs to be done. There's still discipleship that needs to happen. There's still churches that need to be planted. There's stuff that needs to go on. But that's an imbalance. And I would say that's an ungodly imbalance in light of the task Christ has given us and the degree of it which remains unfinished. I don't feel good as a member of the church and as a leader in the church that we corporately are sending 80 to 90% of our resources where the gospel is already, while 40% of the world's population is where the gospel hasn't been yet. So we're going to correct that imbalance. We're going to start with ourselves. We're going to start to direct the vast majority of our resources to getting missionaries to those hardest places. And then we want to lead in that. We want to inspire a movement of other churches and other Christians that would say, yes, yes, let's finish the task. You know, this thing is actually doable in our lifetime. I'll break that down for you in the months to come, but this thing is doable. Like, let's finish the task. Let's get the gospel where it has never been before. That's what we want to do. Our heart is to make the greatest possible impact on the lost. All mission is good mission, but now we're asking as we look toward the next couple decades, what is best? We want to make lasting generational impact on the lost. 
That means that we want to go where the gospel hasn't been, and we want to see by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God, for the glory of God, viable, indigenous, church-planting movements established there and community transformation. That's what we want to see. And so we're going to raise up church-based teams to do that. Teams of people, small teams about this big, small teams of people from our church that will go together and commit to go forever or as long as the Lord would have them. We're not talking about a two-week mission trip. We're talking about going like Meryl and Teresa Dick, the missionaries that we support down in South America, right? They weren't our missionaries. They went there almost 40 years ago, but they went to an unreached people group, found them in the jungle, moved in next to them, learned the language. They had no written alphabet, so they created an alphabet for them from their own language, began to translate the scriptures then into their language, have seen many, many people get saved, have seen leaders raised up, and now the indigenous people are planting churches and more churches and more churches. That's what we're talking about. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. But what did that take? That took a life long commitment, just one couple, just a lifelong commitment. So we're praying that God would raise up those people in our body, couples mixed with singles, mixed with families, whatever it might be, little church-based teams that we will send to the hardest places in the world. And we already have a team forming for the Arabian Peninsula. We'll bring it to you in the weeks to come. I can't tell you yet who they are, but we already have a team that's forming for the Arabian Peninsula. So that's a little bit of vision for reaching the unreached. The final part to the mission expansion piece is a school of ministry and mission. When we were dreaming about this church back in 2003 before it started, my wife really felt strongly from the Holy Spirit that we were supposed to train people for ministry and for mission, that we were supposed to have some sort of school of ministry and mission. And through the years, that's taken on different sorts of incarnations. There's been different little pockets and examples and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Whatever. Uh, Ways that that's happened. Currently, it's RMI, Reality Ministry Internship. That's the sort of current incarnation of that. But we believe the Lord wants it to be more, a full-on school of ministry and mission. We believe that God wants to bring people here from all over the world to get trained up in the glory and the knowledge and the grace of Jesus Christ and then sent out on mission. We want to train leaders for the next generation. There's a lot of work to do. 40% of the world's population living in unreached people groups. There's a lot of work to do. So we want to raise up leaders. So we currently have an incarnation of that. As I said, we're looking to do more. Uh, Amber Smith, who's on staff with us, there's a picture of her. Amber Smith, she is our global missions director and also our leadership development director, oversees RMI. She's currently working on her doctorate in missiology with a specialization in leadership development. So she'll be the smart one on the team. (laughs) You'll be calling her Dr. Smith. And uh, we're investing in her education. She's investing in us. And and part of her getting this doctorate is developing the school of ministry and mission for us. So that's mission expansion. There's a lot there. There's a lot to rejoice about. There's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot to get involved in. And it requires a lot of resources. So the final piece to this uh, is mission resources or how we fund the mission. We're going to talk about how is our giving or generosity of reality going and how are we investing in the kingdom as reality. 
Now, let me remind you, all of these things pertain to all three campuses and not the other parts of the reality family. But this is all together, numbers and uh, metrics from Reality Carpinteria, Reality Ventura, and Reality Santa Barbara. So how is our giving and generosity at Reality? It's pretty good. Our total ties and offerings in 2015 was $4.7 million. I know. I need to take a drink of water. <laughs> That's a lot of money. And we were up from the previous year, 2014, by 7.6%. 7.6%, excuse me. The average church in America that is comparable to our size was up 2% last year. That's good that the church was up. It's been a hard few years for the church in general in America. It's been a hard few years for us as a church in particular. I am incredibly pleased to see that we are up 7.6% last year during a difficult time. So I want to say to you guys, good job. Good job to you. Yeah, applaud yourself. Applaud yourself. I want to say good job, and I want to say thank you. Thank you for giving. Thank you for investing in the mission of Christ through reality. That's a a tremendous investment. Now let's talk about who's giving that money. 75% of you contribute financially to the work at reality. 25% of you give nothing. 75% of you give something, and that's good. That's a pretty good number of you who are giving. But how much are individuals giving? Our next graph sort of pictures that. It might be hard for you to read those things, but I'll just break it down for you. That that largest part in the lowest right corner, 30%. 30% of us give from $1 to $499. So that's what the, the, the majority, that's kind of the biggest piece of pie. That's what we're giving. That's Not very good. That means that most people in our church, and you can look as you go to the 16%, this holds true for that as well, and even the 13%. This means that most people in our church are not practicing biblical tithing. Unless they're only making five grand a year, which is awesome that you're tithing on that, but I don't think that many of us are only making five grand a year. So this is where we have some room for growth. It would appear from the numbers that most of us aren't practicing biblical tithing and offerings. Tithing would mean we bring 10% of our income, the first part of it, the first fruits is a biblical concept, to the Lord and we give it to the Lord in faith as investment in his work. And then we can give beyond that as offerings. From what we can tell, maybe 10 to 13% of us are actually tithing. If you look on the left-hand side with the numbers there, according to what we understand the median income in our community to be. So maybe 10 to 13% of us are actually tithing the 10%. Most of us are giving much less. So there's room for growth there. I I want you to see the great opportunity that's before us. I I want you to see that as a church, we're experiencing great return on investment in the kingdom, the ways that we're investing in the kingdom. There's great opportunity with our church plants and reaching the unreached and the school of ministry and mission. So how are we investing in the kingdom as reality? We've already seen and heard a lot, but let me just kind of give it to you in a couple different ways. I'll say this. We are committed to investing in others. Look at this graphic. Last year, 785000 $785, was sent outside the four walls of reality. $785,000, I can't say it, $100,000 <laughs> <000. laughs> 
was sent outside the walls of reality, invested in others and in other, other endeavors. It wasn't, it wasn't here. We, we, we got it working out through church plants, through missions, through benevolence, through different outreaches. That's 17.6%. Almost 18% of our income goes outside of the church's four walls. We're committed to investing in others. Last year, we committed over $510,000 to international missions, and we committed over $320,000 to church planning, and then more on, as I said, outreach and benevolence. Secondly, in the next graphic, we are committed to investing in people. So this is the way that the money is dispersed here at Reality. You'll notice then that the large portion of that, the shaded gray area, 49% personnel, 26% facilities, 10% operations, 11% church birthing and international mission, 4% in events. Now, the biggest piece of the pie is investment in people. That is investment in our staff and leaders who are called to live life full-time on mission, contributing to it, serving you guys, making the mission happen, pushing it forward. I will tell you that that number is normal for other churches in America. Most churches spend about 50% of their overall income on staffing. Now, I know that when we're talking about a big number like 4.7 million, 49% of that is a significant portion of money. So in the spirit of transparency, I want to tell you that we have, as I said, 40 called individuals on staff, and the median income for a reality staff member is about $45,000. As compared with the median income in Santa Barbara County for an individual, which is about $63,000. So you can see we have people working for us that are called to it, that are giving their lives for it, that aren't necessarily getting rich from it. So even though that's a large number, we have a large staff. And again, median income of reality staff member, about 45,000. Median income in Santa Barbara County, about 43,000. 26% goes to facilities. Facilities are incredibly important. We have a lot of them. We have our offices and small gathering spaces in Santa Barbara. We also rent the theater at Santa Barbara High School for our Sunday gatherings there. We rent this facility here in Carpinteria as well as some storage space. We've endeavored to buy this building a few times, but the owner is insane and wanted $11 million, so we said, no, thank you. Uh, We were able to buy our building in Ventura. I think the purchase price was about $2.7 million for the same size building. A much better deal down there. So we have that building as well, and we also rent some space for our youth in that area. So we have a lot of facilities. What are facilities about? Facilities are incredibly important. The facilities are where we gather. Facilities are where we can come. Anybody can come freely and hear the good news of Jesus Christ preached and explained. Facilities are where we come and we worship together. Facilities are where we experience God together in a corporate way that God has always ordained for his people. He told Moses, build a tabernacle in the desert. I will be there and I will meet with my people there. Gather them in that facility. It's important. I'll meet with them and I'll speak to them. That's, that's what happens here. This is where we do our leadership training. This is where mission is based and where it comes out of. I'll speak for myself, but I know it's true for many of you. My life has been changed in these buildings. 
It's very real. God meets us in these places. So we see those investments as worthy investments. We see those investments as equaling discipleship and life transformation and mission expansion. And then 11% to church birthing and international missions. The reason it's 11% is what we wanted to do as a church is tithe, right? We, we, we tithe to the church, right? To the Lord through the church. And then as a church, we tithe. So everything that we get in, we commit a tithe, 10% to go outside the four walls. And then an offering on top of that is that other 1%. And then we keep offering other offerings, which is why you saw for last year was 17.6% of our income. And then operations and events. So that's where the money goes. Let me make this statement. We at Reality are committed to financial integrity and transparency. Let me read this for you because it's carefully worded. Our financials are annually reviewed by an independent CPA and are kept in accordance with generally accepted accounting principles, which is the national standard governed by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants. What that means is every year we invite and we pay for a third party, right, a CPA firm, to come and do a review of our books. It's costly to us. It takes hundreds of our man hours to do it, but we invite it because we want to have financial integrity. We want to have financial transparency. We want to make sure that we're being faithful, wise, responsible, legal stewards of the resources that are committed to us. So that involves a CPA looking through our books for accuracy, interviewing our management and questioning our policies and procedures, and then performing tests to make sure that we're actually adhering to and faithfully carrying out those policies and procedures. It's a good thing that we do that. We have posted the last three years reviewed finance statements on our website. So if you go to our website and you go to the about page and then you see the give section, you click on that, there's three years of the full CPA report on our finances so you can see how every single dollar has been accounted for that is open to you. We have an open book policy. You can view it there. If you have further questions about it, you can email us, you can call us. We're happy to sit down with you and talk about our finances and how the funds are dispersed. We want to have financial integrity and transparency, and that's one of the ways that we endeavor to do it. We're done. Let me close. No need to applaud. No, 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 no. (laughs) I would say it's clear from this mission update that you guys are an incredibly fruitful church. I, I think that's evident in the numbers. I think that's evident in the things that we've talked about, that you guys are an incredibly fruitful church. And I want to commend you, and I want to thank you, and I want to say it has been the privilege of my lifetime to be a part of this church and what God is doing here. I'm incredibly humbled by it. Very thankful for your investment. And I, I believe that you can, as, as you invest in reality in different ways, you can say, I'm seeing good return on my investment. Like, there's stuff happening. It's, it's there. There's stuff happening. There's a good return on investment, and we should rejoice about that. I do want to, again, pastorally encourage you in two areas. The first being tithing. Again, the vast majority of us are not doing so. My life was changed when a guy invited me to a meeting, a leader in a church at Calvary Chapel Santa Barbara at Esau's one morning. And I went, and we sat down, and we were talking about what it means to follow Jesus, and he asked me if I tithed. And I said, are you crazy? No, I have things to buy. And then he shared the scripture with me. 
and it, it changed my life. Malachi chapter 3, God talking to Israel, but the principle applies to us. Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. This is God speaking. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me. The whole nation of you. Now look at this promise. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this. Pause right there. That's the only time in the Bible God ever invites humanity to test him. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. So he shared that with me and from that day on, my wife and I have always tithed, always tithed. We get a paycheck in, first thing out, first fruits to the Lord, 10%. And then there's offerings. We give more beyond that and we give to other organizations and missionaries and things and people in need beyond that. But I want to just testify that this has played out as being true in my life. I view my life as being exceedingly blessed and I attribute so much of it to obeying the scriptural principle that God has laid down of tithing. It's a spiritual non-negotiable in my life. I give to the Lord. It's not a money issue. It's a faith issue. It's an issue of trust. And studies of the church show that the singular last place where people are willing to trust God is with their pocketbook. It's the last place that we're willing to trust God. It's a, it's a trust issue. The money comes in, first thing I'm going to do is give 10% to the Lord in faith. Trust him to do so. Because so many of you are not tithing, I have a pastoral concern for you that you would. Paul felt this way with the church in Philippi. Look what he said to them when he was talking to them about giving. He said, not that I seek the gift itself. I'm not trying to get money from you. But I seek for the profit, literally in the Greek, fruit, which increases to your account. He was saying to them, I want you guys to experience the blessing of obeying Jesus with your finances. I don't want you guys to miss out on that. And I have that pastoral concern for so many of you. I don't want you to miss out on the blessing of this area of obedience in your life. Now, I'll say this. If you think that this is just a cheap plea for your money, then I would invite you to tithe somewhere else. The issue is giving. It's not whether or not you give here. I think the biblical principle is you're supposed to bring it to the storehouse where you're fed, the church that you're a part of. But we can totally let go of that. If you think I'm just trying to get more money, listen, we don't necessarily need more money. You saw all that we're doing. You saw our income and we're running currently with a 2.6% margin. So we're able to do what we want to do right now with the money that's been provided. This is not a ploy for your money. If you think that, then give somewhere else. The point is give. Begin to obey Jesus in your finances. Test him to see if he doesn't pour out blessings until they overflow. It's a faith thing. It's not easy. So many of us can testify to the fruit of it. And then the second area is just local mission. We just got to see ourselves ascend. I honestly believe that the harvest is ripe in our community. That there are just people waiting to get saved. And so let's really endeavor to live our lives on mission. Where we are is who we are, amongst whom we know, and what we do right now. Let's, let's pick it up in local mission. I have a fear. I don't want to be the church who sent missionaries all around the world and planted churches in other cities and, and reached the unreached but didn't reach my own community. I don't want to be that church. I think we need to grow in the area of local mission. 
So let's begin to do that. Let's commit ourselves to that area of growth as well. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is building his church around you in your workplace. He's doing this work. He's doing these things. The fun in Christian life is to join with him in what he's doing. He's doing it. The fun is to join with him. God, what do you want to do at my workplace? What do you want to do at my family? What do you want to do on my softball team? What do you want to do at the beach? Lord, what do you want to do in these places? That's when life gets fun. So now I am truly done. A little preacher's fib there. It worked, didn't it? I am truly finished. And now, listen, now we're going to pray. Okay? Don't, don't get upset because I'm asking you to pray in church. We need to pray. I understand the social sort of thing about it. I know it can be uncomfortable. Some of us aren't at the place where we're comfortable praying out loud. That's totally cool. You can pray quietly. You can pray by yourself. The idea here is that we would break up into little groups because there's power in corporate prayer and agreeing in prayer. So I'd like to see us get in groups of two, three, five, six, seven. But if you just want to pray by yourself, that's totally cool. Maybe you're not a Christian and you're here. It's great. So glad you're here. We're not requiring this of you. But if you are a Christian, we kind of are requiring this of you. I mean, as the church, we have to pray. Like it would just be the silliest thing in the world to be the church and not pray. That's such an anomaly. Jesus never imagined in his wildest dreams that he would have a church and it wouldn't pray. That's, that's not even a thing. And there's so much for us to pray for in light of this. So to whatever degree it's comfortable for you or just maybe what would be good is a little bit uncomfortable. Just push yourself a little bit. We'll pray together and we'll pray in these ways. Just put it all up, please, Diane. Be appropriate to thank God that we get to be a part of what he's doing here. I'm really thankful for that, that we thank him for his incredible provision and leading. And then we should ask God to continue to make us a faithful and fruitful church, to lead us in generosity and local mission, two areas where we need to grow, and to continue to lead us in mission expansion. Let's pray for London. Let's pray now for the very first time for Honolulu and the Hillners, right? You get to sow in now. You get to sow in now. For the very first time, you get to sow in to Reality Honolulu. Let's pray for our endeavor to reach the unreached. That's one of the hugest things we've ever done as a church. It's going to require much prayer. School of ministry and mission, we've been trying to do this for 12 years. We need like prayer breakthrough, prayer breakthrough to see it come to full fruition. And then can we just pray that many people in our community would get saved? Can we just pray for a salvation revival? Can we just ask God that he would just save many? I honestly believe that in our community, the harvest is ripe. Let's just pray, God, save people. Use me if you want to use me, but just save people in our community. Is that cool? Okay, you guys are awesome. So let's take a few minutes, break into little groups and start to pray.